Hello everyone, this is Francesca and this is episode 19 of my podcast, Let Me Take You on a Psychology Adventure. I felt pretty inspired today and a bit dark. So this episode, we are talking about manipulation. Now, I don't want to teach you how to manipulate people. It's more like how to protect yourself from being manipulated and to have this knowledge and power so you can defend yourself and realize when it's happening. But let's see, why are we manipulated? Let's start from the basic reason as to why do we even let ourselves be manipulated or try to manipulate others. So even since we're children, we learn that we cannot always get what we want by asking directly for it. We learn that if we add a bit of crying or change the story a little bit, we're more likely to obtain that thing. I can see clearly how my seven-year-old brother does this with my parents all the time. He's like, Daddy, I love you. You're the best dad ever. Can you give me your phone, please, to play? I learned so much, so many things by watching YouTube. And about 80% of the times, my dad ends up giving him the phone. We're manipulated and we manipulate others every day without even realizing. And not all forms of manipulation is bad. A mother can manipulate her children to eat healthy or do homework. Or a motivational speaker can manipulate millions of people to change their mindset and live happy lives. As a matter of fact, I'll be manipulating you right now through my podcast and through my content to change a bit the way you think and have more productive beliefs. Manipulation can be ethical and good if it's done for the right reasons. However, manipulation can be done for the wrong reasons also. There is a lot of fake news and propaganda being spread all the time. People manipulate you to do the things they want without considering your well-being or just for selfish reasons. For example, I can manipulate someone to feel that they're not good enough and that they need to buy my product or service to feel worthy again. A lot of seduction games are based on manipulation and making the target feel in a certain way. The most important thing is what you use the manipulation for. Manipulation in itself is not good or bad. It is just a very common tool. As I said, children use it as well. Now, this is what makes it ethical or unethical, how you use it. So in this podcast, I will teach you the techniques people use to manipulate others, how to spot when you're being manipulated and how to use manipulation, hopefully for a good ethical reason. So first of all, we're being manipulated by others because actually we leave we love being manipulated. We love that feeling of losing control and giving it to someone else. It's kind of like going into an adventure where someone takes you somewhere and you don't know where. It's kind of like that feeling when you were a kid and your father used to pick you up and spin you around and you felt like he's controlling you and taking you into this amazing adventure. In a world where most people are have uninteresting, boring lives, there is no danger or adventure 
We love it when someone comes into our life and makes it more interesting, more dramatic even, takes us on an adventure. Many times people feel like they're not good enough and they don't have strong values or confidence. So when someone else that is confident and has a strong sense of direction and purpose comes, we follow them because we are usually lost and we don't know what we want. This is how cults are created as well. There is a confident, charismatic leader that has a very strong direction and purpose. They make you feel like you are not good enough and show you an ideal that you can never reach, like enlightenment, for instance. And then they blame you for not reaching that unrealistic ideal. They tell you, if you join our community, we will save you. We will help you get there. They make you feel special for being part of the community. The most susceptible people to, to fall for this are people that are insecure, young people, people that don't have strong values or a purpose in life. But these are just the most, the easiest prey, but we all fall prey for things like that. Also, the community part makes you feel that feeling of belonging, of being part of something, which is something that we all desire and need. We'll talk a bit later about this identity that we have, like being in a certain group, like being a feminist or being a good father or mother helps others manipulate us, but just in a bit. So people want to believe in something by inventing yourself as this cult-like entity, they will follow you and give you untold amount of power. To become such a figure, you need to follow these steps. First, keep your words, and maybe as I talk about this, you can spot it in other leaders around the world, because a lot of politicians and cult leaders use this. So keep your words vague and simple, but full of promise. Use a lot of metaphors that no one can really understand. Emphasize enthusiasm rather than the intellectual or the rational. Structure your group in accordance to the forms of organized religion. Disguise your sources of income, so don't say where your money comes from, and create an us versus them dynamic. The easiest way to spot when you are being manipulated is when you start feeling guilt or shame. When you start feeling like you are not good enough. Guilt is something that a lot of people use. Moms use it all the time with their children. They tell them, you should be ashamed of yourself for what you've done. This is one of the most basic and one of the best forms of manipulation. Also, guilt or shame is the most useful emotion we feel. It doesn't help us at all, and it has no positive side to it. If anger, sadness, frustration, all of this have good, a good side to them, they can be productive emotions. Guilt is the only one that has no productivity at all. It's not useful at all. It is just used to manipulate people, and that's it. Some even feel like they're a good person if they feel guilty for something they've done. But this is just a pervert way to not take responsibility for your actions and doesn't make you a good person.
Religion uses a lot of guilt when it comes to sexuality and anything in the shadow, like being egocentric, not helping your neighbor. You know, it says you have to sacrifice yourself for others, that money is the devil's eyes and other unproductive beliefs. All these are methods of manipulating people through shame and guilt. Religion has done many good things for humanity, so I don't want to um, diss it in any ways, but this is not it. It denies normal, natural parts of ourselves like anger, sexuality, and selfishness. But I'll talk about this more in my Shadow Work podcast. So let's see what are other methods people use to manipulate. So one is making people think they need you. No human being actually physically needs another human being, but we do feel dependent on each other for different reasons. In relationships, a lot of women make their men dependent on them by taking over house duties, for example, like doing the washing, cooking, cleaning. This builds an odd sense of dependence and the man starts feeling like he needs the woman. Many men make the woman dependent on them by using money, like renting an apartment that she couldn't afford by herself. In the job context, the most valuable employees are the ones that the boss depends on and cannot be easily replaced because only they can do a certain thing. The second way is when asking for help, appeal to people's self-interest, never mercy. What this means is that if you're asking for help or you're asking someone to do something, you shouldn't try to make them feel bad for you. This gives them the power. Even if they do help you in that way you want, they're still the one in control because you had to show your weakness. Instead, appeal to their self-interest. This way, you bait them not by knocking yourself down a peg, but by making them interested for their own well-being. For example, if your partners keep saying um, that you need to fix the air conditioner, let's say, but, you know, you haven't done so until now, or you tell your partner to fix the air conditioner, but they don't, don't complain about how hot you are. Instead, wait and notice until they're sweating and bring up the fact that they should fix the air conditioner so they're cooler. The same could be applied to social events. Instead of pouting if they don't want to come to your family or friend dinner, simply mention how cool the restaurant is or how fun it will be. Entice them to do things not by whining, but by making it seem like a desirable thing to do. The same applies to friends, clients, business partners, and so on. Always talk about their benefit. So, for instance, when I taught, when I worked as a real estate agent, we were taught not to talk so much about ourselves and the fact that we are very good at what we do, but about the client's specific needs and how we can solve them. We had to pay attention and discover what they lack and what they want and then appeal, appear like some sort of savior that can meet their problem. So... If you must ask for help, make sure your request includes a benefit for the person. 
that you can exaggerate beyond proportion. When your ally sees that there is something in it for them, they are more likely to respond with enthusiasm. Self-interest is the greatest motivator for people. Once you master the art of working out what others want and using it to further your own plans, there will be no limit on what you can accomplish. The third one is get others to play the cards you deal, which is make them feel like they're in control. This means the choice must feel like their own, even if you force it on them. This way, they will feel like they're in control of what is going on, even when they're actually the puppet. The best way to manipulate the situation in this way is for them to be given two choices, both of which would benefit you, of course. This way, they'll be making a choice, but you'll win either way. This works very well with children, for instance, asking, do you want to do your homework or eat your vegetables first? Do you want to see this movie or that movie? The biggest lesson here and overall is that in order to really manipulate them, you must make them think they're in control of the situation, even when they're not. They have to think they're the puppet master when they're in fact the puppet. Four is use absence to create honor and respect. This is one of the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. This is a great book about power and manipulation if you want to read it. So if you're available all the time, people take you for granted. Use absence to make them appreciate your time more. Not answering your text messages right away. Being busy once, once in a while makes people value you more. I mean, it's really the supply and demand theory. For example, you appreciate someone that posts less on social media than someone that posts all the time. With everyone being so extra these days, less really is more. It gives you an air of mystery. As people are constantly trying to work out what others appear to be thinking, silence makes them feel uncomfortable. By controlling what you reveal, you can wield great power. After all, they're likely to fill in the silence you leave, revealing more information about their own intentions and weaknesses. The more present you are, the more common you appear. Create an air of scarcity around yourself to increase your perceived value. If you currently exist within an established group, for example, um, intermittently withdraw, like from time to time, so that others talk about you and admire you more. To do this effecti effectively, you must learn when it is the right time to withdraw. In doing so, you force their respect by inevitably threatening your absence, like threatening with your absence. Once you return from your absence, it will appear as if you have been resuscitated and people will be relieved to see you again. So create an air of mystery about, around yourself. Keep your cards close to your chest. People are drawn to those that seem more enigmatic. An air of mystery increases your presence and creates anticipation. Everyone will be glued to your next move. Humans are creatures of habit who look for familiar patterns in the behavior of others. By acting unpredictably, 
people will tire themselves out by trying to predict and analyze your moves. This means occasionally striking without warning. When you act predictably, you give others power over you. If you act surprisingly, they will feel that they don't understand you and will be intimidated. The fifth one is to play into people's fantasies. Find what are the fantasies and desires of people. For example, someone may want to become a stand-up comedian or the next great author. Don't tell them how difficult that is. Instead, encourage them and always emphasize what an amazing writer they are and how famous they'll become one day, or what a special voice they have and how much you trust them that they will become a superstar. Someone that already sees you as the idealized version of yourself, or even better, someone that helps you get there, is extremely addictive. By tapping into the fantasies of the masses, People will flock to you as you offer an alternative to the disillusionment of reality. Thus is why so many people believe in magic, astrology, and different entities. Because we don't like this basic, simple reality. We need magic in our lives. Six is to use selective honesty and generosity to disarm people. A single honest gesture can help cover the traces of dozens of dishonest acts. By being generous, you can disarm even the most suspicious people. Once they are disarmed, you can manipulate them at will. The key to successful deception is distraction. An act of generosity distracts those you wish to deceive while turning them into docile children delighted by the affectionate gesture. Learning to give before you take is a skilled way of getting what you want. Give, 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 and then only after ask for something in return. Selective honestly, honestly, sorry, selective honesty also functions as a means of disarming your opponents. However, regarding um, a single truth, like regaling a single truth will not be enough. You'll have to construct a facade of honesty built upon a series of acts to gain trust. But these acts can be quite inconsequential. Seven is disdain things you cannot have. Ignoring them is the best revenge. Sometimes it's better to ignore things. You'll make small problems worse or make yourself look bad and give people attention that they don't deserve if you respond to minor provocations. By not showing interest, you maintain an air of superiority. If you want something but can get it, don't draw attention to it by complaining. Act as if you weren't interested in that in the first place. If you're attacked by an inferior or make a mistake yourself, Act as though you didn't notice it. If you're caught in a mistake, don't respond defensively or you'll make things worse. Own up to it and put a different spin onto it and it could work in your favor. 
So, for instance, when Renaissance writer Artino was discovered to have uh, lied about being an aristocrat, he responded that he was indeed the son of a shoemaker, but that this humble beginning made him made his achievements all more impressive. And people liked him more after that. The last interest you take in things that irritate you, the more superior you seem. By acknowledging, you know, the people that are against you, you give their existence credibility and therefore power. Paradoxically, the more you want something, the more it eludes you as your interest is too strong, which makes others feel uncomfortable and fearful. So occasionally, it's best just to leave things alone by turning your back onto what you want. You will drive your opponents crazy. Number eight is work on the hearts and minds of others. If people feel concerned, cons- um, obligated into acting in a certain way, they will resent you. Instead, you must seduce others so that they act how you want without having to ask them. I talked about seduction in a previous podcast. You can listen to that. Because seduction is not only sexual or romantic, it's also something that we use in people every day, like politicians use a lot of seduction. By understanding their psychology and their weaknesses, you can play with their emotions and conquer their hearts and minds so that they are loyal to you. By softening them up, you can slowly bend people towards your will without them realizing. The best way to stir emotions is by doing the opposite of what people expect. For instance, by acting with kindness when your opponent expects payback from you. You can also win hearts by promising security or relieving fears or pain, relieving despair. Use symbolic gestures to generate goodwill, for instance, to show that you suffer as well, even if only a minor way um, compared in a minor way, way compared to their suffering. To find out what likes and dislikes motivate them, get them to open up. Use this as leverage. And I hope that while you're listening to this podcast, you can think of figures like political figures or actors or other influencers that use these techniques on you every day. So I hope you'll pay more attention to when people are trying to manipulate you, even political leaders. Nine is never appear too perfect. While appearing superior to others is dangerous, to appear like you have no flaws and without weakness is even more dangerous. By displaying some harmless vices, some weakness, you prevent the people that you know are against you from developing and you make yourself appear more approachable. So people won't envy you. By letting envy grow, it can manifest in a host of problematic ways that will ultimately try to rob you of your power. Stop it in its tracks by making yourself seem powerful, but not faultless. So not without having any weaknesses. So here are two of the ways people help create envy and appear too perfect. So one is when someone... 
so one is when something good happens to them, they trumpet it, they brag about it, they enjoy making others feel inferior. The second one is those with great natural talent show it off. Rather than charming people, it makes them hate you. It's wiser to, it's wiser to downplay your outstanding qualities by acknowledging a small flaw or weakness. To avoid stirring up envy, for instance, George Washington at first refused high positions that were offered, like commander-in-chief or of the army, of the American army and the presidency. By doing so, he increased his popularity. Another way people manipulate you is by questioning your value or identity. So if you don't do what they tell you, for example, they say you're not a feminist or you're not a good father or any other identity you care about if you do what I, I if you don't do what I tell you. So for instance, you are not a feminist if you don't help me as a woman to attack a man. Or you're not a good father or mother if you don't do this with your children or something like that. So even though it's completely untrue and unrelated to being a feminist or a good mother or a good father, it works a lot of times because the most important thing for people is to maintain their identity. So when someone else comes and says, you're not like this if you do that, you all your actions are actually controlled by your identity. This is the most powerful force. So we would do anything to maintain a certain identity. So if you, as I said, identify as a feminist or, you know, a member of a certain group, even you won't even consider or think about the decisions you take just because someone said that, okay, if you have this identity, you have to confirm to these actions. When it comes to seduction, some of these manipulation tricks can work as well. For instance, the one about absence and that makes you create honor and respect. But there is another podcast where I talk more about, about seduction. So you can go listen to that. But besides that, there are other ways. And one of the darkest seduction tricks that people use is actually a three-step formula. So first you validate the other person. You give them love, you give them compliments. You, the best manipulators see what you need, what you long for the most. So for instance, you can check the social media of someone, you can see they're a poser, they like to post and show themselves. That shows that that person is hungry for approval, for validation from the exterior and shows that also they have a pretty low self-confidence. So they can't take that validation from within. They need it from without. So, you know, a good manipulator can read into these things. They can, you know, when they talk to you, they can find out about your childhood, what you missed, you know, see, okay, some people want to be famous. Some people want to be that. Some people want to be perceived as funny and so on. So they give you exactly what you need. So they validate you. They love bomb you with compliments and validation. Then the next step is to take all that validation back, to pull away, to be cold, to be uninterested. 
maybe ghost them or you know seem like you're losing interest in them not validating them again so this makes people extremely insecure because you know they they got addicted to your validation they got used to it so they want it back and they feel like now they have to work more for your attention to get that validation back from you now the third step is to validate them again so you know now they're chill again and this creates a cycle of dependency they start depending on you keeping this cycle of hot and cold makes the person attached and this is one of the as i said darkest manipulation tricks that a lot of narcissistic people use but you know a lot of people use it because in a way we're all narcissistic to a certain extent because people usually tend to view others in black and white like you're either a narcissist or you're not the truth is it's a spectrum so we're all narcissistic to a certain extent some people are higher on the spectrum some people are lower so i don't want to categorize people so much and because this black and white thinking and i'm going to talk about this in another episode more but this black and white thinking is a thinking that children approach like a person is good or is bad there's no such thing there is a spectrum and you know a person is not good or bad a person is both good and bad and sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad and so on but as i said we're going to talk more about that so this was the podcast about manipulation how to not be manipulated and how to manipulate others and please use all the information that i gave you in this podcast but because you can you can manipulate people by using these tactics use it in an ethical way and more importantly use it to protect yourself so i challenge you to notice when it's being manipulated when you're being manipulated by as i said political leaders because it happens every day and we don't even realize that so pay attention and use it only in a good way if any of you have questions i'll hang around for otherwise you can also ask me questions on instagram or here on the app in the chat and you can also give me future suggestions of what you want me to talk about in my next podcast so does anyone have any question okay if there are no other questions i will finish i will end this podcast Thank you so much for listening. I see some of you were here from the beginning. Thank you so much and have an amazing day. Bye.